Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored with me, Jeremy Carr. Now, coming up tonight, 25 years since the death of Princess Diana. The question is, will Meghan Markle ever be able to replace her in people's hearts? Good cop, mad cop. Is it time that our police wake up and solve some real crimes? And hunger shapes. The utter disgrace of children turning up to school with an empty stomach in 21st century Britain. I spend as much time taking food away from children as I do serving it. And to be honest, it's not what I took the job for. You know, I never dreamt that I'd be having to tell children you can't have that, you've no money on your account. Good evening, my friends. Welcome to Uncensored. Now, this very hour, 25 years ago, the royal flight-bearing Diana Princess of Wales coffin arrived back in London, draped in the royal standard. As she made her final trip home, the grief and the loss felt around this country and the world, I think, changed us forever. It took almost 20 years for the royal family to find someone else who could bring the glitz and the glamour that Princess Di provided. Meghan Markle, an outsider like Diana, appeared at first to be just that person to refresh the firm and bring it into the 21st century, but it hasn't quite worked out that way. I remember Blair saying on that fateful day that the public everywhere, not just here in Britain, kept faith with Princess Diana. But there are already signs that the public have lost faith in Meghan. Diana Spencer was undoubtedly the original people's princess, but what to the people of today make of this version. I went to Windsor Castle this morning where Charles proposed to Diana to find out. 25 years ago today, Diana died, sadly, the whole world in mourning. One word that, in your mind, would sum up Diana? Oh, she was amazing, personally. Amazing. She did the job. And, uh, yeah, so I have to say, she appreciate coordination, sir. But, yeah, incredible human. Brilliant. And I was on my way to work. And I just read the papers and I said, it can't be true. And it was a shock. I thought she was the most wonderful princess. She was a beautiful lady. I, I met her and I was in awe of her. I thought she was amazing. What do you think the people's princess would have said to her son or Meghan Markle about what's going on? I think she would have preferred Kate because I think Kate's lovely and she's really kind and nice. I think Megan's a little bit in it for herself. And what do you think Diana would have made of Marco? What would she have said? You go on, girl. What yeah. word would you describe Megan Markle as? Oh, do we have to? Don't like her at all. One word that sums up Megan Markle. I, I feel for her, to be honest. Do you? Yeah, I do, yeah. I just think that it's just been really hard on her and I, I agree with Harry, I agree with their decisions and their choices. I think it was the right thing to do to get her out of there before history, like he said, started to repeat itself. So a cross-section of opinion. Joining me now is Talk Radio's royal correspondent Rupert Bell, uh, Princess Diana's friend Sally Morgan, who worked with her for nearly five years in the 90s, and lawyer uh, Paula Roan-Adrienne. Ladies and Rupert, uh, welcome. Sally, can I start with you? Um, I found it really strange. I, I live in Windsor. I, I went up to the castle today to just gauge opinion, and I almost found this generational reaction, if I'm honest. The older generation called her beautiful, wonderful, inspirational and caring uh, and have no time for Meghan Markle. The younger generation 
would say to me, we don't really know too much except for what we've watched on The Crown, but we feel sorry for Meghan. Who was Diana, the woman that you knew? What made her so special in I your think, mind? Well, I think that she was... Um, she And she turned out to be very outspoken. She, uh, she was one of the first people to talk about her mental health mm. and mental health. She was one of the first prominent people to embrace individuals with AIDS. Mm. She was somebody that stood up for the underdog... And I also think that people could see her pain. I certainly could see it, and I saw it on a daily basis. The, the was she inspirational? I think she was. I mean, she was inspirational for so many people, for, for so many women at that time that were having difficulties in their marriage, in their relationships. You know, if the Princess of Wales can divorce the Prince of Wales, if that can happen, then I can certainly leave my husband, who isn't treating me too well or is having an affair. So I think that she was an inspiration to many people. Um, Paula, to bring you in, um, Meghan Markle has, by anybody's standards, um, caused... So much reaction, and let's be honest, a lot of it negative. You could feel that today on the streets. You read it almost every day. I think she's caused a negative reaction. I do think that the press have reacted negatively. My problem, so... my, my problem with that, and I said it last night, and the reason we're doing it is because it is, it is everywhere and it's what people want to talk about. Here's what I'm going to say, and I'll say it again. If you don't want to be in the royal family uh, because you don't want the press exposure and you don't like every facet of your life being interrogated. I get that. You go to California with the love of your life and you have two children. You don't land and sign a deal with Spotify. And this is the bit that really gets on my bits, if I'm being completely honest. Every single time there is something that matters to the royal family, like the death of Prince Philip, like, you know, today, the 25th anniversary, what does old Meghan Markle do? Drop her latest truth bomb. It's a podcast. It's true. Her timing is dreadful, Paula. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think that... Uh, you know, Listen, they this love is what one happens. another... This is what happens. The negativity just runs right, doesn't it? a fact. It? I'm going to say a negative. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and say a negative. When we talk about facts, I think what we're missing here mm -hmm. is reality. You described Diana so beautifully, and I would say that I could describe Meghan in exactly the same way. Well, we could describe... I could absolutely. describe Meghan in that way, but if and you look at forget, what she's done well, to the royal family... It's not what she's done to the royal family. Let's well, remember has. that. She don't think she's manipulative. She has. I don't, I don't know her. What I do know is that the message, the very clear message that we are getting reported to us is that she's a bully, that she's aggressive, that she's taken over Harry's life as if he's some weak individual. And yet we forget that his own mother was forced to flee this country. Yep. She herself was planning yep. to move to LA. She herself had decided to begin a relationship with somebody who didn't look like her, who didn't talk like her, who didn't come from a family that fit into the establishment. And this is what you're asking of Meghan. She wasn't prepared for this, and neither were the establishment. The establishment got it wrong with Diana, they got it wrong with Andrew, well, and no, they got I, it wrong with Diana. Let me bring in... Let me bring in... Let me bring in... Let me bring in Rupert Bell, if I can. Talk to his royal correspondent. He shared a goddaughter with Diana knows through his family, his brother trains for the Queen, many links, Coldstream guards as well. Rupert, you're very... You know, you, you always play it very straight down the line. What did you respect... What was your response to what I said about Meghan Markle, like her or loather? It seems to me that she drops this stuff at the exact moment to cause as much embarrassment and hurt to the royal family as possible. 
it does all her timing is horrendous and but she has created this we when we went to the wedding the groundswell of public opinion was so much in her favor and yet she has managed and to end up basically painting this picture that everything is everybody else's fault it's never her fault <clears throat> and i think that's part of the problem it always seems to say that X member of the royal family has done this, that member of the royal family has done that. She has not done anything wrong. And I think that's what's frustrating people. Why does she always feel the need to pay the victim as she sits in her $14 million villa in, in California when most of us can't, you know, worried about whether they're going to get food on the table? So I really do think she needs to start reading the room and realise that what she is saying most of the time doesn't resonate with most of the British public. Paula, that's quite an interesting point of Rupert's. How would you respond to that? Well, quite easily. We talk about this groundswell as if we can dictate what others think. I don't know what the society thinks because it's not being reported. What I'm being told is that that's what people think. But your own report has just informed us that actually there's a lot of people out there who have sympathy for yep, her. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, su I suspect... I started by saying it was generational. I genuinely yeah, believe yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, and I wonder if it's because of where people are getting their information from. And if it is generational, which I think is probably right, um, there is the younger generation that get their information, get their news from other places. Absolutely. There's the older generation who get their news you, from different places but, and who trust where they get their news. I, I, I'm not doubting that, but you haven't answered the question. And, and a supporter of Fear Hagen of her last night also did not answer the question. Do you not think there is something in the fact, in my opinion there is, we're all entitled to opinion, that every time Prince Philip died, today's the 25th anniversary of Diana, the Queen is ill, she keeps dropping this stuff via third and fourth parties. There's got to be... I'm not saying she might not have a case. I'm not saying it wasn't hard. I'm not saying that there have been people who have said and done things massively unfair to her. I absolutely can see the comparisons, but I absolutely... When I look at those pictures of the two of them in the, uh, the, the Diana picture in the black polar neck and her as well, Diana looks vulnerable, lost, scared. Meghan Markle looks straight down the camera and looks like I've got this absolutely licked. I don't... She, she doesn't create sympathy no. in me. That's no. the problem. And, and, and let me tell you why, because let me answer the question, because you answer the question yourself, but your tone was very quiet when you did. I noticed that. You said that the bombs are dropped by some third or fourth party person. Omar Schmidt or something, so isn't it? So we're not suggesting, are we, that this is Meghan? that is putting out this information. Well, we know that, her, that, I suppose. That, that, but it is, that, but it is that, Meghan that wants that information. Doesn't that deny any point. of it, though, does she? Come yeah, on. No, and then secondly, yeah. even if she did deny it, where are we going to read that? Why do you forgive where her? Where are we I going to I read that? Are you with me on this? There's a Harper's well, Bazaar article that came out in, in, I think it was 2021, forgive me if I've got the date wrong, where it referenced in very in lots of detail about the approach that is taken in relation to Meghan, as opposed to the approach that is taken to... Lovely. Is paint. that because of the colour of her skin? Serious? I, don't, I don't know. You tell me. I, I'm interested in what you say to that. I mean, well, I, she I, would I, tell you, yes. Archetypes yesterday. She? You heard the podcast. She, she yes. said that she yes. she felt that she was treated as a as a black woman only when she married her prince. Um, and that's, of course, in any way, if that's right, that's fundamentally wrong. I've said that from day one. I just can't, Sally, get away from. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. I can't. See, Rupert makes a really, really good point. 
How does that look and sound right now with this country on the precipice of economic well, yeah. disaster? But absolutely. But I do think that when you look at Meghan and you look at how she is the one that really is controlling Harry, there's absolutely no doubt she Come is. On, I mean, Sally. no, she is, Paula. Harry she, she, was vociferous. No, but I, and has Harry is to totally be. and utterly in love with her. When you really, really love someone, you will do anything for them. She recognises that. She refused. She looked at the system. She refused to bow to her brother-in-law and her sister-in-law. She could not understand... I'll tell, tell you what I want to bring on to, and I want to bring Rupert back in, because i like the three of you to, to, to answer this next question. Rupert, what would Diana, the people's princess, and let's be honest, flawed... Let's be honest, with her ex-husband, both used the media systematically. My old man worked for the Queen Mother and he said that everybody after the Queen has used the media. What would Diana have, have said about Meghan? It, it, when I was out and about today at Windsor Castle, half of the people were saying she'd have taken her under the wing she'd have felt sorry for. The other half was saying she would have been gutted that her well, son and, her brother, and his brother had split up over this woman and she had taken Definitely. action. What would you say, Rupert? I think she would have tried to give Meghan all the advice and would have probably been around to actually explain the pitfalls that are likely to come her way and realise what joining the firm is all about. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether they were briefed enough, but the Dutch, uh, Meghan Markle has said that she wasn't briefed. Well, she knew all about it. When you go in and are going to be uh, a member of the royal family, it's pretty, it comes out pretty quickly. And I think that's what she would have done. She would have, and she would have had plenty of experience, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, to bring to the table. Because, remember, she came to the royal family as a 19-year-old, very inexperienced young lady. A, a big age gap between her and her husband. Whereas Meghan was a, a lady of the world, been an actress, been out there already married yeah. before, so much more experienced. There was a naivety about Diana in the early stages because of the way the royal family was at the time. That then changed and she became a force, you know, not always a force, you know, she was flawed, as you referred to, Jeremy, but she did, though, still have the well-being of her children completely at the centre of whatever she, can I, can she I also, did. We saw that throughout her life. I agree. Can I just say that... that, that, that I mean, I, I actually... I'm going to disagree with you and Rupert a little bit because, and I know this from the old man, there is absolutely no preparation for going into the royal family. I, yeah. And the reason Thank you're nodding... I, yeah. I don't care who you are. You can give them a list from A to Z. Yeah. I'm sure it's... You, absolutely. I'm a, the fact, that's not my point. My point is, to me, and we will differ, but that's human nature. It's a democracy, right? She used to stand outside Buckingham Palace. I'm utterly convinced... This was her big plan. I'm utterly convinced she went for this. I'm being completely serious. And I, and I, ju I think what it is, is I said about that picture, Jeremy, there's no vulnerability. There's, she doesn't link with people, in my humble opinion. Well, because she's I don't not vulnerable. Have... She's not Jeremy, vulnerable. That's the if, reason. If that's... Look, with, sorry, Paula. With, with vulnerability, genuine vulnerability, yeah. you can see it. You can she sense it. You can, it's palpable. who has walked oh. into the establishment. Uh, I am telling you, whether you can see it on her face or not, we are very used to walking into situations where we have to put on our smile. Do you think smile. she knew it was going to be like that? Paula? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. She would have gone in there with her rose-tinted glasses, I'm going to be a princess and I'm going to float around and this is going to be amazing. That's how she approached this and she got so a rude you... awakening. And can I say, just to answer the question that Rupert got the opportunity to, yep. you asked what would Diana have yep. done? Yep. Diana would have been living with Meghan 
in LA. No, she wouldn't have done. That's where they would have no been. No way. Because that's what Diana needed to do. And I think she we're wouldn't. forgetting how the press treated the, Diana. The, the you must that, forget the, the that. The one thing we that Diana was... You were her friend. What would what, she have well, done? I would say her friend. I, 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 I spoke to her every day for four and a half years. Um, you're never really their friend, Jeremy, as we were just saying. No. But okay. basically, I think that she would... The most... The priority for Diana now would be that her boys were not estranged. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been... And if that would have meant that she would have had to have pretended to try and in some way counsel Meghan, she would have... You've got to remember also that Diana, yes, she was naive when she married the Prince of Wales, but she was aristocratic. She'd been brought up yeah. with yeah, the royal family. Yeah, good point. She knew... And her sisters, who counselled her, knew the system. Yeah. So you never know until you're in there. And as, as I've just said to you, you're never their friends. Never, ever. Even aristocratic people, even other royals, are never really their friends. There is this... They're, they're in a bubble. That's why William at the moment and Catherine, they're in Do this you, bubble. Can, can, I, can I just say... And I think it's... I think I'm really pleased that we've spoken like this because I think it, it was, for me, really interesting to see the reaction today from people. One final question... Are you surprised? To... Were you expecting total negativity? Yep. Yeah. Really good question. Yeah. Really good question. And, and what shocked me most was three teenage girls, I thought they were 20, who said, well, we've seen it on The Crown, which just blew my mind, so to speak. <laughs> um, the three it's of you... It's a historical programme, do you, do you think the three of you... We'll start with Rupert. Ladies first. Do you <laughs> think that the British public will ever take Meghan Markle to their hearts Never. as... Diana, undoubtedly, flaws and all, was taken. Yes or no, Rue? Uh, not in her present form. She's going to have to learn to um, not always be knocking the institution that has been around since 1066. The, the, the royal family may be a flawed institution at times, but there's only one person who matters, and that is the reigning monarch. The rest have to do her bidding, and you've got to work around it. And Meghan needed to learn how to work around it and cope with the fact that Harry was six in line to the throne and was, in essence, an extra to the main members of the royal family, Charles and William. They were but bit part players. Thank you, Rupert. Uh, Paula, final word? I'm a member of the British Society, and I accept her to my heart. Good for you. Sally? Well, I, we have to accept her. She's married to Harry, but I think that the, the general public... She's, she's a very headstrong, manipulative... Um, she's very manipulative, Paul. Other people she's would a, say she's independent. A business, she's a businesswoman. Well, right, so there's yeah, your point, and I've run out of time, but yeah. did she look about this whole thing as a business? There you are, it's a very she interesting point. As a was divorce she? lawyer, I can tell you. She, she was in... Oh, a divorce lawyer. <laughs> oh, God, nobody told me that. You could have told me that a while ago. Are we paying her for this? Right, thank you, ladies. Thank you, Rupert. Next on Uncensored. Now, they dance the Macarena, but how about they try a bit of smooth criminal instead? The big question on many papers today, have the police given up on solving crimes? We're coming back in three on Uncensored. Don't go anywhere. Right, my friends, welcome back, and it's time to bring some law and order to the uncensored studio. Now, the police are quite rightly expected to fight crime and keep us safe. But over the last few weeks, uh, many have become uneasy as senseless violence seems to become the norm up and down our country, and lawless Britain is running out of control, it seems. Now, a damning report today by the policy exchange think tank has accused the police 
of being too distracted from tackling crime by woke causes, whatever that means. It's not apparently like the police have time to take part in random acts of dancing on the street, is it? Or giving water to thirsty protesters, stopping people getting to work. And don't forget Britain's wokest police officer here modelling a rainbow hat. We must remember there are 10,000 fewer bobbies on the beat than there were 12 years ago, and here's one of the potential new recruits, a very honourable, upstanding member of society. Do you think the police are woke, Prime Minister? I, I tell you what, I've seen a bunch of police officers who, who woke quite a lot of drug dealers this morning, and they, they woke them long before they were expecting to have their, uh, their breakfast. They, and they, woke, they woke them uh, with, uh, with warrants, and they woke them with the, the news that they were under arrest for uh, causing misery uh, in, in the communities of, of, of London. So the question we're asking is, are the police in this country too woke? Joining me now is Kevin Hurley, former police and crime commissioner, uh, Benedict Bong, chair of the Haringey Independent Stop and Search Monitoring Group, you try saying that, and tonight's uh, Jezza's Genos, the legend that is James Whale, and political commentator Marina Perkis. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, let's start with you, if I can, Kevin Hurley, former Surrey police and crime commissioner. Um, I've spoken to many people, Andy Cook... Peter Blexley, they all say the same thing. The problem with the police nowadays is, apart from there's few of them, they spend so much time doing jobs about social care and mental health and dealing with all the things that they have to deal with that they're not on the streets, they're not getting intelligence, they're not finding out what's going on in the community, and as a result, they are not able to do their jobs. But when we see them mucking around like that, what are people supposed to think? Well, I'm, I'm, first of all, the first point you're making there is absolutely correct. Because they are filling in the gaps where social services, mental health have effectively collapsed in National Health Service, they are spending huge amounts of time in dealing with a lot of those cases. And the other point about that is, because of the fact there's so much inspection of what police do now, they have to put asset or people looking after mentally ill people in hospital and so on. But back to your point, the message we're seeing there of people dancing the Macarena uh, and so on, whilst for some it might be seen to be positive, at this particular time, mm. I don't think that's a good message. Um, the reason why I say that is that they were at the LGBT festival where they, they did that. There are a number of extremist groups who would like to pick on LGBT people, and the reason why the police are there is to ensure the safety of people attending that. Far better if those four officers there were actually engaging with people, chatting with people, but separate from each other, keeping their eyes okay. out and looking and doing their job. Be vigilant. Marina, what do you make of the police in this country right now? I think they're doing the best they can, given they have been underfunded for 10-plus years by successive Tory governments, who slashed it by 23,000, by the way, 600 police stations closed, not to forget not, not to forget our courts, the courts that are closed and our judicial system that's... Well, you see that, though, the Macarena, what do you make of that? I don't care. Are you trying to tell... Are people trying to say that there was a crime going on over here and they're too busy doing the macaroni and so the crime happened? It's just nonsense. It's reductive nonsense and we need to grow up and get away from this, this type of conversation. James, um, mm. you said to my team, I think the people running the police have ruined the force. What do you mean by that? I do. I think there are two types of police. I have great respect for the armed police, the anti-terrorist squads, the people who do serious policing. I have absolutely no respect for those guys doing the dancing. They wouldn't protect me from crime. I'd have to protect myself. They're a waste of space. The bobbies I see on the beat quite often, they look un unshaven, 
disheveled. They've got their shirts hanging out under their stab vests. They're short, some of them. Others are fat. They're not a police force anymore. They're a police service. And what we need... I don't want to be a friend of the police. I don't want them to be my friend. I want them to be there to solve crime and protect me. That is their job. Now, you say, and and this is something that I want to bring you on, uh, Bennett, in a sec, you say that everyone should be prepared to be stopped and searched. Now, a lot of people, certainly in lawless Britain, we saw the horrendous situation in Liverpool. Suddenly the police are on the streets pulling in gangsters left, right and centre. We know about county lines, we know about gangs, and we know about the drug wars and knives and guns. Surely... Stop and search with respect gets weapons and knives off the streets. Why? What, what's your view of that? Well, I think, Jeremy, that uh, uh, no one in the, uh, the community, the black community in particular, uh, are actually saying that stop and search should not be used. We're not saying that at all. We're saying that it should be used, but when it is used, it should be used effectively, appropriately, and on the basis of intelligence policing. And very often what we find is that it's a, a sort of a, a scattergun approach um, where people are stopped in the street, there's no intelligence about any... Indiscriminately. Indiscriminately. Um, and, and the impact of that is that it annoys and upsets those people who are going about their daily business lawfully... Um, and I mean, and, I, and I, there's, I, a, there's a long history of this going on. So... In, in the black community, there is. And I, and I have to say, my producer, one of the... Well, he's the editor. He'd be upset if I said producer. was telling me today his mother's a teacher and she teaches this uh, teenage black boy. And uh, eight times he's been stopped in the last 12 weeks and he comes into school devastated. I, I, I think it's fundamentally wrong if anything like that is yeah. pitched at a, a person's colour, creed or race. But I have to say that last year the Met Police took 5,000 weapons off the streets of London. So there is an argument in lawless Britain to do more, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's get this in perspective. Stop and search is all about, first of all, the quality of the contact between the individual officer sure. and the person being stopped and searched. That's a very difficult thing to do because often teenagers, whether they're black or white, start to become quite difficult and quite assertive. And as we've heard earlier, not all the police officers are huge uh, people. They're scared, they get scared themselves. And so very quickly, it can start to go bad. But let me just give you a couple of stats because I, I oversaw Operation Blunt 2 in 2008 for the Metropolitan Police. In that year, we had 29 teenage murders in London. Four years later, we were down to eight teenage murders a year in London. Now, what's important about a murder victim, a teenage murder victim, is it's not just one parent that grieves. It's usually three or four parents that grieve when one gets murdered. Sure. Because the other three get caught and get life imprisonment. What I want to know is what's the answer, Marina? What is the answer? I mean, are the police... um, Are they under-trained, under-prepared because of lack of funding? Is the recruitment process wrong? Are they not the beliefs there were before? I mean, I, I, I'm not being rude. When we were kids, I think you backed me up here. Mm. If you thought the policeman was going to take you home and tell your mum, you were terrified. People don't give a damn anymore, do they? They're not they, scared. They do, and this idea, going back to what you said there, James, that... What you need to see someone with like an armed armed rifle or Absolutely, something. Absolutely, I'd love but that's, it. But yeah. that's that's indicative of you and what you need to be managed as a person. Most of us don't need that. We don't can throw just, it back at me, we please. Can just, we can I'm a law-abiding citizen. I don't need authority. that. You might need it. I certainly don't. No, need I'm it. saying I don't need it. Oh no, you said I did need it. You're saying so that you, you, you can only receive. I don't need it. You see authority 
physically. There it's is a no authority. Thing. I can look after myself, but there are lots of people who can't. I don't want to have to look after myself, really. It's not my job, and I probably get into more trouble. But I want to see police when when I ring up and say I've had my car stolen, I've been burgled. I want a a policeman too. And why aren't they? Why aren't they there? Because they are so full of 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 these. You know, they've got to have five coppers Uh to arrest one person, one for each arm, one for each leg and the head, Mm -hmm. in case they damage them. Listen, you if think that's that's what it is? You don't think it's the fact that we had to shut shut down half of our police stations? I think Theresa May was the worst prime minister we've had for many many years. Thank goodness she's gone. But I don't think we have anybody in charge of the police. I think we should get rid of half of the police forces. We don't need this many. We need. I'd like to see better quality. In. Is what you're saying? Better what, quality. Who's going to work in the, Who's going to be a police officer? Well, there's the point I'm making. Is they it are. an attractive opposite proposition anymore to people? It no is. respect. No. 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 I can tell you now that police police pay for basic councils who join was cut by over six thousand. Yeah. When, when Which is exactly what Marina yeah, said. And the problem. The so prob- then you go back to her and you talk about funding, and he's right because they're, they're, they're recruiting anybody, and there isn't the respect, and there isn't the. It, that's what we're saying, right? Well, you know, at the moment, the information that I'd have, uh, I'm involved in uh, police training locally, uh, certainly in Haringey Borough. And the the new recruit, they come onto the borough, we have a a workshop with them where we talk to them about the history of Haringey in particular. Uh, We talk to them about the, the, the chain of events and, as a result what they're likely to be met with when they're out there policing people. Do you think the quality... The I, sadly, out, I could sit with you look all night, it's brilliant. Do you think the quality of policing and the job they're doing is good enough right now? I think they have taken a serious hit when the major cuts were made. Yes. And we know who is responsible for that. Yep. Um, and what, what the police are now trying to do is to catch up. And they're trying to catch up with lower, with with, with fewer numbers yeah. than they had previously, and that's creating a real gap in terms of response policing. For example, you know, people are phoning up and they're reporting that. I mean, yeah, yeah we're, I, I, I have to finish, but we're reading, aren't we, Marina? Every day, quick, please, everybody. But you know, uh, a thousand, any, anything under a thousand pounds, the police don't come out. That's not good enough. There is a point to what he's saying. We should know and think and believe that we can be protected and go to those people. But uh, you're saying it's funding, right? Absolutely, it's funding. And also, we've got situations like Lambeth superintendent said that on one evening, seventy-five to eighty percent of calls were nothing to do with crime. They were police officers going to suicide and going to mental health crises. We've got police going to cardiac arrest. So we are back where we are. The so police man and woman issue. is not on the street, not getting intel, not dealing with the community because they're too busy filling out, what, computer forms exactly. and ticking boxes and, and they're not exactly. doing... It. So everybody actually essentially agrees. I would love... Undertrained is a major issue at every level. Undertrained or underfunded? Every level, both. Right, OK, listen, I have to move on. Thank you, Kevin Hurley, uh, Benedict Bong, uh, James Well and Marina are back later. Now, next on Uncensored, Britain's child poverty crisis. It just gets worse every day. A dinner lady from Lancashire broke down in tears this weekend describing, this is unbelievable, how she's been forced, in capitals, to deny starving kids school lunches. How has it got to this? I'm coming back in three. Don't go anywhere. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
Welcome back, my friends, to Uncensored. Now, the cost of a living crisis continues to bite millions of households across the country. The October energy price cap has been confirmed to rise by 80%. Inflation is now at 10.1%, the highest since Feb 82. And let's not forget the spiralling cost of food at the supermarket, the highest since the global financial crash in 2008. But now the effect on children has been laid utterly bare by an amazing dinner lady from Lancashire who over the weekend says that she's been forced, forced to turn away hungry kids. Take a look at this. When I first started a year ago, OK, once a month, there might, you know, parents forget to put money on at the beginning of the month. And you get that. But now you're talking 10 to 15 children a shift every day, every single day. And I'm saying, you can't have that. There's no money. And I'm just dreading going back to work. I'm dreading October. And to be honest, it's getting to the point where I'm just like, I don't even think I can do this job anymore. I didn't take the job on to starve children. I'm sorry, it's just... <laughs> Great Britain 2022. I'm now joined by head teacher says Sophia and co-founder of Britain's largest food bank, Ray Wolford. Welcome, welcome gentlemen. Um, can you explain to me, Serge, when you see that kids in 2022 going to school and not being able to have lunch? What's that like? What's the reality of that? that? That's, I'm sorry, that's bad management and lack of common sense. You know, if there's one place where children shouldn't want for anything, it's in school. For one, I feel sorry for the dinner lady being put in that position where she has to decide shouldn't happen. They've got a pastoral team, pass it on. Let's find out what's going on at home, what's happening. But what do you do in that fed. situation? You're a, you're a head teacher. What do you do in a situation? You feed them. Where... Simple. You feed them and you find out what the hell's going on. If necessary, if they, if they haven't applied for free school meals because the forms are wrong or whatever it is, but you feed the kids on every occasion. And the younger they are, the more important it is. It's common sense. Any responsibility I... from parents? Oh, God, yes. That's the second step. First of all, you safeguard the kids. You make sure they get their dinner. Then you find out why the money is not there. And, and, it, and in this present climate, yeah. if the money isn't there and it's not going to be there, what do you do as the head Carry on feeding them. But you find out. And if necessary, you get social services involved to find out how they can be helped in a far more sensible way but you carry on feeds £2.20 a day. You carry on feeding the kids. And that's as simple as that. Common sense. As I said, two things here. I can't believe that any head teacher would put the dinner lady in such in a position, position in the first place. It's all wrong. It's nonsense. Um, Ray Wolford, um, first of all, I'm going to say this. People like you uh, deserve everything. Co-founder of Britain's largest food bank. You said the reality of that video is it's worse than that. It, it, it's much, much worse. I mean, to start with, we shouldn't have any discrimination in school places. Children that are hungry are children that are going hungry, and that's right the way across the spectrum. It's not people sitting at home at benefits. It's people who have parents that have low-paid jobs, parents who are self-employed, people that run pubs. The crisis we're facing at the moment is worse than we went through under COVID. Under COVID, we had support structures. The energy crisis that is kicking in at the moment is forcing community organisations to go back. The cost of the energy that we're actually having to, to pay to run our fridges has gone now from £68 a month to a project, projected cost of £30,000 next That's year. That's ridiculous. You told me, and, and you, you feed 3,000 people. Whereabouts is your food bank? We're based in Deptford in south-east London. We're one of the few banks, food banks in Britain which is open seven days a week. We feed pets and children, and their ethos is to feed and support anybody that walks through our door in crisis. That means that we do 
people that got small businesses. We do pensioners. We do. Have you noticed ones. a total increase of? And don't take this the wrong way, but anybody now is going to a food bank. It seems far more people. You tell my team. Um, with everything going on, I could be closed by Christmas. We are so desperate. I mean, cooking oil has gone from £1 to £2.19 in less than six months. Where are we going as food bank? We're trying to appeal at the moment to raise 25 k to get through next year. Our food bank isn't about dependency. We're a charity that works to tackle debt, to tackle advice, to tackle mental health, to give people clothes, to support their pets so that the pets do not end up at Battersea Dogs Home. We support them in every way. We give our children... Underwear so that can go to school with a school uniform and a pair of pants. We give homeless people a pair of socks to go with the shoes that people give them with. We support elderly people that have families around on the How ang- do, do me Do me a favour. How angry? I'll bring you in in a second, Serge. Mm. What needs to be done? How? I mean, you're there in depth for doing your bit out of the kindness of your heart and people's charity and generosity. And we keep doing these stories every single night and people go, oh, is it going to... Yeah, it is that bad. What, what needs to happen? We've got a new Prime Minister on Monday... We, the, one of the crucial things is the government will always tell us they're pouring money into the system. The problem is that local, local money that's put into the food sector is given to local authorities and the money is not allocated to organisations that are at grassroots level based on the numbers of people they feed. So there's organisations in my borough that look after 33 people that have refrigerated lorries that get thousands of pounds in funding because they're a cool charity and we, that feeds anybody that walks through our door, can't get any funding because we're based in Lewisham. We have women with their children coming from eight other boroughs to our food bank because they're too frightened to report to their schools that their children are going hungry. And if they do, they're frightened their kids will go into care. What's your response? Because that's just appalling, isn't it? And some, I mean, honest to God, something has to be done, doesn't it? Well, the thing is, for me, it's about safeguarding kids, you know, and school's the right place to go. If you've got a problem, yeah. by all means, go to your food bank, but let the school know. Any good head in a good school will help all who can. And let's get some proper communication going on. Would you report a child if you had real concerns about them? Would of you course report? I would. It's my duty to do so. Because, I mean, and I've got a great pastoral team. We go knocking on doors if necessary, especially during COVID. But let's find out what's going on. We mustn't ignore the fact that there's some bad parenting going on and poor prioritisation of the money they have. That's been going on for donkey's years. People don't like to hear that, no, right? But that is, that is, I mean, that's... It's, no, I, I disagree. I, mean, I totally disagree. Of course, in every society, you'll have poor people that will cheat the system in the same way rich people avoid their tax. The reality is, in Britain today, people on universal credit, if they're young, they get less than £300 a month. That's not enough to carry their electricity bill. If they're on universal credit, they get less than £600. Anybody living in London know you cannot live and run your family on £600 a month. It's scandalous to blame the poor who have zero money and pensioners who have fixed, fixed incomes Can I not be responsible for managing uh, their budget. L- listen, Many don't have money to budget. That's the crisis problem. I, I understand that and I understand what you're saying, Serge. Just both of you briefly, if you can. What is the answer? Well, the answer, I can only talk about schools. I don't know. Very many cleverer people than me can't come up with the answer. But I think schools should be places of safety. If there's a problem with a kid, put them first. Don't confront them with it. Okay, it's embarrassing enough. You know, there's plenty of ways of doing and helping families and kids in particular without anybody. You know, I've been doing it for years. Good head teachers that I know do it for years. You know, let's not be too negative with the kids. Adults, you can get on with whatever you want. You know, but keep it away from the kids. They get enough negativity. We've had a decade of it now. Uh, I had two sets of exam results. I can tell you, Jeremy, all right, two great days. You should have seen those kids proud of getting their exam results, looking for the future. 
The diet they're getting at the moment from everybody, it seems, never mind social media, is negativity and down. We've got um, to change it for the kids. Ray, briefly, briefly. Yeah, the, the big problem we've got to take in with this energy crisis in particular is community groups, pensioners, luncheon clubs, food banks... Everywhere. Need, ..needs emergency support nationwide because there's no point telling people to go to the food bank because come Christmas, we will be all bust. Unless we raise 25k by Christmas, we will have to close our door. Uh, That's the reality around the UK. We are the front line, and if nobody supports the front line, we're going to have people dying of starvation in the doorways of Britain. I, um, I have to say, I would have listened to somebody like you some years ago and thought it was, it was over the top. I don't believe it's over the top at all. I think you, Serge, uh, are a unique human being, but I'm afraid we're in a situation where... This entire country, and, and when it comes to kids, that takes it to another level, but when it's pensioners, kids, whoever gets that job next Monday and everybody in the polls says it will be Liz Trust has got a, a hell of a job on their hands. And, and something needs to be done, and it needs to be done now. Thank you both very much indeed. Right next on Uncensored, it's Heidi High, Wokey Low, another classic British sitcom, slapped with a trigger warning. When will it damn well end? Jess's journos are next. We're coming right back. Welcome back, my friends. It's time for a very short Jezza's Journals with Talk TV host and legend James Well and political commentator Marina Perkis. You're back. Uh, let's get straight to it. Gorbachev, uh, yesterday dying 91. Uh, inside Russia, not much sympathy, but across the world, seen as a man who really bought change, ended the Cold War. Mm -hmm. um, he had a legacy, didn't he? He did, and it's actually sad to see another one of the good guys fall, basically. Um, he was the guy that made the West... Um, oh, well, opened up Russia to the West, which is why he had that, that Pizza Hut advert that yeah. everyone's obviously um, mm. very fond of. Um, and I he... Pizza Express, but, you know. <laughs> um, sad, actually, but, but Putin very yeah. lukewarm. In, in, when you consider what Gorbachev does and then Absolutely. what Putin's doing. I think, I think uh, it was sad. He was 91, so he had quite good innings. Yeah. And uh, I think he did uh, a lot of good for the world, not just for Russia. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but Putin is going to ruin the world if he isn't stop fairly soon. And I think, unfortunately, I thought that the Russian people might turn against him, but it doesn't look like they... Doesn't are. look like that at no. all. Um, this is bizarre, but there you go. 1980s sitcom. Heidi, Heidi, hi. Holy, holy, ho. Yeah, good. Has been slapped with a new trigger warning on BritBox. Nobody watches that, do they? Uh, the Sunday night <laughs> staple following the ups and downs of holiday camp workers. Heidi, hi. I love Gladys. Uh, and then he said Emmanuel. Uh, now, viewers are warned of language and attitudes of an era that may offend. James Whale. What is wrong with people who offend? I mean, for goodness sake, if you've got nothing better to do it in your lives, just, just find something. You know, a little offence, fine, makes oh. you get really upset. Heidi, hi! Oh, God. Rise and shine! Oh, really good. Not, really good, no, really Rina, good. what is wrong with the world? Are we not Nothing going... is wrong with the world. Do you get upset when someone slaps an 18 on a movie? I don't even look at them. Right, so just don't <laughs> ignore it. No, I don't, does. you again, know. Again, but don't you think it's that, do you think it's, for the sake of it? But don't you? But you say that. But do you not think it's sort of it's par for the course nowadays? And we're not going to be left with anything. All right, Gladys, we know. But I think the problem is that you know, you it's not just an eighteen on a movie. It's everything. It's like every piece of. Uh, of work at university, if it's considered to be... Even Shakespeare, even some of these great things, you might upset a student. Well, good, because if you don't get upset at that age, how are you going to manage as an adult? Well, more upset, Gary Lineker, who seems to be able to work for the BBC and a lot of money and say whatever, a senior BBC journalist today apologised to Lineker after accusing him of breaching impartiality over comments criticising the government. 
Uh, Neil Henderson, BBC Home and Foreign News Editor, who asked Lindica, do you have the freedom to tweet about this sort of thing? I thought there were rules. He seems to be one rule for everybody else at the BBC, no. that BBC, that dreadful organisation. It'll be gone soon, worry not. Right, can I just say... Can I just say something? If something is crap, objectively crap, you can say it's crap, and that doesn't mean Ooh, you're not being impartial. Really it just means you're being objective. Yeah, but he's he a bit like Lewis Hamilton. Sewage. He sits in his big mansion criticising everybody, doesn't he, Lily? So what? He's got a mansion. I know, but it just an no, he annoys me. At what point of wealth are you allowed? A, a, what is it? Just explain. But I thought the BBC weren't allowed to do yeah, that. They're so duplicitous, the BBC, and, aren't they? What is yeah, but it? Come on. What is it? Everybody likes about Gary Lineker. He's sort of a bit wet and a bit Maybe weak, and he's, he's not very entertaining. Standing up for the good of the Common people. The common people. As in uh, who common. Are the common as, people. As in common. As in co Living. all of us together. Oh, everyone. Everyday well, you people. You might be common. I don't like to consider I'm, myself common. I'm common. But I'm fine. Gary Lineker's just. I don't understand why everybody. Is it just because it's football and lots of people like football? Because you can have a monkey on there or uh, some other animal James, on there. He's got a platform and he's using it to push a positive message. But, but the new boss of the British bloated company, I ate him. He <laughs> said that they weren't allowed to do that, but Lineker seems to get away with it. That's uh, the point. And, 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 and yet the BBC Why should he has got someone on the board who put Sorry. 400k into the Tory party. Oh, that's all right, though, isn't it? No, I didn't say... Why are you saying that to me? I don't think that's right <laughs> at all. Very quickly... Hang on, what, um, the unions put loads of money into the Labour Party. Why shouldn't those people who can afford it put money into the Tory the party? That's the unions who, are, again, are trying to achieve something for the greater good. No, they're when not. They're, not talking, they're trying to ruin not, the country. We're not country. talking about donors like Lord Crudders, Listen, what we need is Margaret Thatcher back here again, if they'd the only cloned her, the best Prime Minister that ever existed. Him. What do you make of that? And just very quickly, not on my note, Boris's farewell tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, I, it's my farewell on this show. Uh, Piers is back Aww. on Monday, so I'm going to pack my stuff a bit like Boris. He's doing a lovely tour. He went with the... What do you make of... Just one sentence. How do you sum up Boris Johnson's tenure? Disastrous. There's one word, James. Entertaining. Do you not think politics will be a little bit duller without him? Can you imagine Truss and Dear Starmer? He will be back. Bet you he's back. Please no. He do you think this is interesting though? Because a lot of people are saying she'll make him the envoy to the Ukraine, and then in two years, when there's a hung parliament, he'll rise again like a phoenix. Can you look at her face? Complete horror. Like Trump, he's probably going to be back too. Well, you can't go worse than the one they've got now, can you? Listen, it don't start, a... because Marina will get upset. Thank oh. you both. I know it was a shortened version. James, thank you very much indeed. Good luck. Uh, Marina, thank you. Good luck. When, when's the paper? 11th of October. Goodness me. There you go. Well, listen, hopefully not tonight. Uh, that's it from me. Thank you to Marina. Thank you to James. Whatever you're up to, don't forget he told me to say it. Make sure you keep it uncensored. Have a great night. We're back tomorrow at 8. Ta-ra!